Hello, my name is Scott Cameron. You're listening to The Joys of Teaching English, where we talk about all things literature, high school English, thesis statements, novels, poems, short stories, essays, all that fun stuff. If you want to know more about me, my website is theteachersworkshop.com. I offer online professional development for high school English teachers, and it is all about making life fun, enjoyable, uh, getting kids away from the screens and in front of a novel, <laughs> which is not easy. It's a probably the biggest part of our challenge. Actually, we've been talking about this a lot at work, just how um, with my colleagues about how glued to the screen these these it just seems it's it's going to get worse and worse because and it's okay to some extent it's it's not that it's okay but you know I've had kids yell at me and say they're reading a novel on there or reading an article and listening to or listening to a podcast or watching some informational video it's not all bad um, it's just that yeah they're spending so much time there and it's it's hard to compete when you're you know really want them to see the the complexities of a novel and writing and you know just challenging writing that takes some time to really sink your teeth into and all those you know things that we're we're talking about um especially after last year they're obviously spending more and more time on their screen i mean it's designed to to keep them on their screens right the best engineers in the world are trying to keep us on our screens for five ten fifteen minutes two hours three hours um it's amazing you can just you think you're on there for 10 minutes and really it's uh, you know, hours and hours. And so because they're teenagers, they don't have the willpower that adults do. Uh, you know, and we didn't, I, I mean, I didn't grow up with, with a smartphone, so I don't, I don't have that same addiction that they have. So um, that's actually sort of what we're talking about today. I ca- I'm calling this one New Year, New Habits, Reflecting on Reflecting. I thought um, I'm going to resist the New Year, <laughs> the New Year podcast is because I saw so many uh, different advertisements, you know, websites, whatever, everybody's doing, you know, how to, you know, get your diet in order and <laughs> exercise more. And uh, yeah, I subscribe to the New York Times. So I'm getting emails from them about the new year. And you know, the news, of course, always reviews the year. And but, it, you know, actually, that's definitely an interesting thing to always do. When you see the, the news clips from the year, you're like, oh, yeah, January 6th was this year. And you know, Biden came in this year, and so you get this sort of review of all the, the major legislation that they're trying to pass and all the different things. Um, so it's, it's, it is. It's a good time. It is a good time to always, um, when it's dead cold, and <laughs> we're dealing with that in the Northeast now, uh, where it's just super cold out, it's a good time to just kind of think about the past year and uh, who, you know, not only just what's going on with our classrooms but but also what we can sort of do going forward before we know it it'll be springtime the end of the year is going to be upon us quickly Um, and so it's 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 a good time to plan projects to plan those sort of long-term things that we want to get done uh, to think about how many you know novels we're going to cover or what kind of activities that we're going to have our kids do I, I was just even thinking today about um Dubliners, and I always I, I've done this one year. I, I did something. I took four stories out of Dubliners. It was Araby, Eveline, an encounter, and Little Cloud. <laughs> a lot of them are, are they're sort of graphic in how how non not graphic they are. <laughs> if you've ever read Dubliners, there's like these huge gaps where it's like I think that was uh, about this really graphic thing, but 
you know, you have to kind of fill in the gaps and then you learn that he had to revise it a bunch of times <laughs> to, to get it clean enough to publish it. And so anyway, there's like these four stories that are, they're, they're great. This one, uh, and Eveline, she has to, she's toward between staying with her family and sort of, uh, you know, listening to her, to her family's requests to take care of her, her brothers and, um, when her mom dies and she has somebody she loves and she's sort of torn between going with this sailor. It's, it's classic, right? It's like, do I, you know, risk it all and go with the sailor and sail around the world? <laughs> and then there's Encounter where they cut school. Um, a Little Cloud is um, where he's a poet and his friend is this like world traveler and they meet up after years. I think they went to high school together and so it's like this conversation between these two old friends and one has a family and and the other is it's a journalist in London, and he's living this cool life. So it's this sort of contrast between those two. It's really fun. And Araby, he's um, it's a classic young love, like really young love. He's like 12 or 10, something like that. He's got a crush on a girl across the street, you know, girl next door kind of situation. And it's like his his old, his friend, older friend's sister, I think. And, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. It's, it's totally absurd how he has feelings. He doesn't have any feelings for her. He just imagines that he does. And has these really poetic, crazy, intense love thoughts about her and um, really poetic moments in there too. Everybody can kind of relate to feeling that way, you know, thinking that you're in love when you're 12 or whatever. And um, so I have them, I have them modernize the stories. I had to well, sort of place them in, in modern context. So we place them in the current, current year and, um, and then, and then reimagine the story. So they basically do an adaptation and it was just it was brilliant. I mean, I, we have a lot of freedom at my school, um, and and I you know, I go record this movie out in the hallways and you know, create a plot line with, in groups. And this one group, they actually cut school. I couldn't figure out what they were doing at first. So I was like, wait, because they were giving me lines to read, and I was the teacher in encounter in the in the short story of the encounter. And uh, so so they had everybody sitting in the in the classroom. And uh, I was lecture. They're like, Mr. Cameron, just lecture about something, you know, something boring. <laughs> and so um, I didn't realize what they were doing because they were stopping the, and creating these clips with all these different things that were going on in the classroom. But like slowly and surely, people were like falling asleep during my lecture. And I was just lecturing because I knew it was like this sort of joke, quick movie. So I was lecturing about random things. I was saying, you know, listen, everybody, the sky is green. I know you've been told the sky is blue. But I have to really explain to you in great detail how the sky is actually green. <laughs> and blue is just a word. So when we say green, I mean, you know, so I'm just going, it's ridiculous, this ridiculous lecture. <laughs> and I didn't know what they were doing with it. And so you know, slowly and surely in the, 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 fi the final product of the movie that you see these clips of all these people in the class slowly and surely like falling asleep and then somebody cuts class and they leave and the next person in the group, they cut class and they leave as I'm, as I'm lecturing. <laughs> and they went downtown um, and, and like got a burrito somewhere. It's like a block away from the school. And uh, it, that's what happens in the story. They cut school and sort of have these encounters. You know, that's the sort of title of the story where they see Dublin and they see the spectacle of the commerce in Dublin. So they, they saw the spectacle of commerce of the town where I work and sort of captured that and, um, you know, ran into some people, like in the story, they run into some strangers and, and different things like that. And so they would try to recreate, like, what if, what if this happened at our school with students and what would it look like? And so that was their version of it. It was just, it was so creative. And 
Um, other groups would would have like introductions to their movie with each character with their again their their sort of updated like they have a new name um, that's like a, you know a current name and yeah I got the cool jacket with the collar popped if it's that kind of character and all you know all the different sort of modern interpretations of like well if this guy existed today I think it was Little Cloud where you know you got the guy who thinks he's cool because he's a journalist in London and traveling all around and you know living that life and you know he's got his collar pop, collar popped and his sunglasses on and that's their version of that guy now and it's just when you talk about interpreting you know how can we how can we do something with this year you know and i don't know what your situation was with technology but you know for the first year we went one-to-one where each student has a has a laptop and so it's like okay well, let's use these right we don't you know this is something we haven't had before it was something we had to go to the library to make a movie and it took it took a while and different things but um you know, let's 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 kind of reflect on how we can be as creative as possible. Because when you're talking about interpreting a short story, you know, you could either have the regular conversation. And those conversations are great, especially with short stories, because everybody just reads them in class real quick. You have these questions that come up. You can read it, uh, discuss. You can have them get into groups to discuss it, and then come back and report their findings on it. Different activities you can do with that. Um, but but think about. I mean, those conversations we have are on the receiving end of what the writer thinks, right? With the writers sort of laying down for us, like, here's the plot, here's the characters. What do you think? Fill in the gaps. Where's the, you know, what's the motivations of the character? What's the reason for their behavior? Um, where can we kind of get in there and sort of dig around to figure out, you know, the sort of the other level of the text? Um, and do clo- you can do close readings like you do with poetry and all that stuff. But when you create, when you ask a kid to create an adaptation, <laughs> right? Like, hey. Let's make this into a movie. Like this is this happens all of the time. How many books do you know that were made into movies? How many stories? How many movies themselves? You know, uh, have different versions. Like some popular movie comes out and everybody kind of copies that style. Or you know, Office comes out and then there's Parks and Rec that follows up. Right? There's all these different sort of ways that we update. That we take a story that's really popular and sort of make it better. And um, and so that's what you're you're expecting them to do, and and they got really you know it's that's the kind of thing I think this year, um, especially if you're behind math still like we are, um, it's hard to like, laugh. You know, so it's like it's possible to laugh, but you don't you know they don't know that you're smiling behind there, and uh, you know it's, you got to sort of work extra hard. Um, and again, after this whole year of being behind a screen. Um, it's it just takes more to keep them to keep them engaged this year, and they lost so many sort of skills. You know, we sort of had half the time we normally would last year, uh, so it's hard to get things done. And we didn't read as many books, and you know all that that happened last year. Still trying to get kids to catch up, but you know with our with English language arts, it's just a, it's appreciation of reading that we're really so as long as we can get them to read long texts. Um, and be able to think about them on a deeper level, be able to gather evidence. Of course, we're trying to do all that stuff mostly, but I, you know, I, I think I came up with that idea at the last thing. Like, yeah, let's, let's, I didn't sort of have my little timeline of, you know, I got to get, get to this novel and that novel. I'm like, you know what, let's take a week and, and make some movies, <laughs> you know? Um, and if it's, all right, let's take a week and think about podcasting and well, what's a podcast and can we, you know, what interview could you do or you don't even need to interview somebody you can just sort of write something down and talk about it or what's a video essay well a video essay is where you write an essay you read it out loud and you have images and video to go along with it it's a little movie right and so um with a voiceover 
And so it's sort of academic in that way. And so, you know, you're sort of thinking about all most creative, or if it's just, just hey, write a short story. Like one time, um, my short story unit, I do these really, really short stories. They're a page. Um, and uh, so one of, end of the end of the unit projects I did was let's create a really, really short story. Let's, let's do it like half, I'm talking like half a page or a page. And they didn't kind of believe, what do you mean? Like, you, we want a really, really short story? Like, yeah, it's called microfiction, sudden fiction, different goes by different terms. You got to put a lot of thought into, you know, the, your your words. You have to, you know, really select them carefully. You know, you want to ca- create a character that's got a whole life. You're dealing with a character who's got a whole life or two characters that have a whole life. They're complex characters. They have personalities. They have certain clothes that they wear. So you got to think about all who your character is, what their their story is. And then really just give us this one little thing that happens, um, and then you know you can kind of imagine who that who that whole character is, or that you know the context of that situation. You're leaving the reader to imagine the context of the of the situation if you write a really good short story like that. So just you know, it's just a good time to kind of reflect on hey this is we, we got to get through the year here um it may be I mean, i've seen a lot of different people sort of struggling along this year um, but as long as we can try to try, try to make it fun I mean, for me too i'm thinking reflection on a couple of different levels here right so reflection is um where you, it's the mental process of, of looking back and then looking forward right you, you look back but then you think okay so all this crap happened last year what do we what do we do with that what like what do we what are we going to you know what problems are we going to solve like what can we do differently to to make next year better than the last year um there's two books that, that i read that are about developing good habits because habits are they're they're kind of evil right they're, they're just like yeah I'd like catch up with that you know it's just like the things that we do without thinking about it um, and when we think about habits, we have to really know what our habits are, where they come from. Are they cultural things? Are they from our family? What are what are our habits? Are they, you know, these things, especially with schools? You know, we went to school. We were students uh, all the way th- from elementary and middle, high school, college. Um, and so we, we have these school habits. We have these expectations from our own experiences about what learning is, what's, what, what, how learning happens and so it's some of that's okay but we always want to sort of question what we're doing and how we're doing it and are we making our lives harder harder than they need to be i think about this a lot especially with our jobs we have to grade a lot of essays uh, we have to get feedback we have to you have to you know have them write frequently get them quick feedback so they can sort of remember what they wrote and, and see our feedback on it um, we have meetings to go to you know parents to meet with emails to respond to, especially now with schedule changes and different things happening in the school to keep, to keep on top of. Uh, new books, talk about, think about this, right? We're constantly reading new novels to figure out what the, what's, what is the canon? You know, what is a classic? And we're always having conversations about what, what, it, what it means to, to, to read a literary book. What is, what is literature? What's, what does that mean to, to, to be a piece of literature, a great piece of literature? Um, so we're always having these conversations, thinking about who's the, who's a great writer, what makes a great novel, or poem or short story, and, and what's going to get our students excited um, in our classes. You know, where can we incorporate choice? What, you know, where can we have like a book club where kids get to pick and choose what they read and sort of stop every once maybe once a week 
to just read something independently for a week. So research, we talk about the research paper and all these sort of things that they're going to need to know going into college. How do you do research? What does that mean? What is, you know, what's the nature of, of a research project? There's so many different questions that, that we have to deal with and, and um, really need to just stop every once in a while and be like, okay, so how can we make life easier we put more work on they're the ones that are learning they need to be do, be the ones that are reading gathering the information making sense of it having conversations about it of course we guide the conversation of course we're the we're, we're the model right we're the we talk about model writing we are the model speakers writers we're we're the ones that that should know more than everybody in the room about the literature um, and be able to contextualize things make under have students understand the relevance of things how it's related to the world that we live in. If we want them to think about how the literature is related to the world that they live in, we have to talk about that all the time. So we have to, <laughs> this is another challenge, right? We have to read the news, listen to podcasts, uh, watch, I always, I'm always talking about movies in my class, uh, books that I've read, poems that I've just encountered, are you know, different things so that I can, can talk about how you know, the passage, how the passage we're reading and discussing is related to the world that we live in. It's just, it opens up these questions and, and these possibilities for discussions um, that, are, that are really, really important for us to be having right now and to, to be able to navigate a good conversation with, with students who have, have different points of view. And how do we have these sort of democratic conversations where we consider different points of view, we na- navigate, uh, uh, you know, feeling differently about something with other people and all those different things we do when we talk about literature. Uh, it's really important. Um, so anyway, the, talking about improving behavior. So I go back to where I talked about. Good habits, uh, find, you know, developing good habits and improving behavior. There's two books. One's called Incognito, The Secret Lives, the Secret Lives of the Brain by David Eagleman. And he did a, a great movie called The Creative Brain. I think every school should be watching it. Everything, every student should be watching it. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's called The Creative Brain. Um, and then uh, the other book is The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business uh, by Charles Dewey. And so both books, interesting. So sort of, sort of dealing with the unconscious, right? Habits are unconscious. Uh, and the incognito, that's basically the idea that there's this whole machine working underneath. Yeah, the, the, he kind of uses the metaphor to start the book. He, he uses the metaphor of a newspaper headline, right? Our conscious minds have the newspaper headline. It's the headline. That's it. It's like, this happened. This is what I think. But really, there's this whole story that is unconscious, this whole other thing that we don't know that happened in the article itself. So we're just getting this tiny little, you know, this fragment of the full story when we think consciously. This is a really complicated way of putting it. It's like, yeah, well, actually... Free will, <laughs> where's free will if we just have this headline to deal with and not the whole, we don't know the rest of it that's going on, right? Um, and so how do we learn to, to understand the rest of it and to understand what we do unconsciously um, and how we can uh, change things uh, for ourselves? Um, and so, and then, uh, you know, what we, the power of habit deals with it on a sort of institutional level uh, where they talk about businesses and the habits of businesses and how businesses change and, and develop better habits just like individual people do um, and even advertising he goes into to, to different stories like the Febreze story um, and and different uh, products that that only got picked up because of how we deal with uh, reward the reward system and 
how we sort of reward ourselves for different behaviors and different things like that. Um, but the key thing is understanding past behavior. Like, how do we understand who we were before and all the things that we did, we did in the past? Because that's crucial if we want to, to sort of set a future path for ourselves. We can only set a, a new future path for ourselves if we understand who we were in the past. And that, of course, on a societal level is true too. Right? On a cultural level, we have to know our history. This is the interesting about the critical race thing, which I keep saying I'm going to get to. But, um, you know, with critical race theory, it's whatever you want to talk about, talking about race, uh, if that's in the legislation that people just passes, you're not allowed to talk about race or teach any books by minorities, people of color. But either way, how can you as a society progress forward if you don't know where you've been before, right? You, as a human being, you look to who you were before. You look at your childhood experiences. You look at what you went through as a teenager. You look at who you were as, as a person growing to, to being an adult. Um, and then and you decide like, okay, so this is sort of what makes me me and what makes me, my, my decision-making process has has been this in the, in the, in the past. And I have experienced these things in my childhood and, and growing up, and therefore this is like the reason why I am the way I am. And so society works on that level too, right? Like as a culture, as a nation, as a world, whatever, we've been through these things in our in our recent history, um, and they have sort of shaped who we have become as far as our the etiquette and social norms and how we speak and political correctness and uh, how we debate and how we sort of treat things like, you know, uh, anything really, uh, from how we eat our food to uh, driving to, you know, how we, you know, enter a building and, you know, all the things that, that are just like, or order a sandwich somewhere, right? How we treat people who... Uh, you know, deliver food to us or how we interact with people all around us. It, it's it's all things that we, you know, sort of internalized as kids. We're like, oh, okay, this is how we, we behave. This is how we treat other people. Um, and when we have certain things happen to us, we, we, we recognize that they happen to us and, hey, this is who I want to be. I know this happened to me before, but this is really who I want to be in the future. And as a society, we have to do that too. Um, on an institutional level, whether it be a company or the government or whatever, uh, everybody needs to have that mentality of like, hey, so this is how we've been doing things before. What's good? What's bad? What can we continue to do that success that has led to our success? And what what are the things that where we tripped up and, and kind of messed up? And uh, how we how can we go forward from here? And race is of course going to be a part of that conversation. Everything is going to be a part of that conversation. Anything that we that is in our history is going to be a part of that conversation, and our personal histories and and bigger. Um, anyway, so <laughs> back to these books. So Eagleman's argument is that most of our behaviors happen below consciousness, and if we want to grow, learn, develop, and improve, we must have a plan that takes uh, into account our former selves. All right, and then, you know, in, in Power of Habit, again, he's talking about institutional change and, and what he gets into with institutional change. This is interesting, right? Thinking about it on a societal level, but really with just within one organization, he basically talks about the importance of just listening to the stakeholders. Anybody who works for a company is, is going to be the, the number one person to talk to when it comes to how to improve that company because they are the ones that are doing the real work. 
uh, and know where the flaws are and know where the, the things that are sort of making processes slower or uh, making things unsafe for workers, right? You never want that if somebody gets sick or they get injured. Uh, you know, we want to have like well-oiled machines for, as companies, right? And the people who are part of that machine know the best, like teachers in a school usually have very strong opinions about like, hey, we could be doing these things this way. And if we do things this way, these will be the results because I'm dealing with this on a daily basis. I'm doing a lot of trial error in my classroom or if it's a nurse in a hospital, right? You want to have the nurses working well with the doctors because the nurses are, are seeing the results of a lot of the things that the doctors are doing um, and that you want them to, to, to be working together. And the doctors should also have a say, obviously, in how in the routines and the practices of a, of a larger institution like a hospital as far as like, hey, we want to have best practices. So when this happens to somebody, we're going to do this, right? Or, you know, we're going to talk to them in this way or, you know, you know, when somebody comes in to, to make sure everything's okay, well, everybody, everybody from the, the person who's, who's checking you in at the door, the receptionist, uh, to, to the person running the, to the hospital uh, should have, you know, some kind of say in uh, what's, what's the, what the best thing is, not just a single person who's a know-it-all, <laughs> right, uh, who has a secret code for, for success. Um, everybody should 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 be a, a, a strong voice in the direction of a company or at least have suggestions um, that somebody takes seriously because um, obviously everybody's got different points of view that can be conflicting and you don't want to just have conflict all the time but you do want to have a, a shared goal and a shared vision for a success and and you know that's true in, at, a, at a school as well as as a business or anywhere else um, so so we and and so placing then thinking about this, in the context of, of our students, so not just teachers and our relationship with the administration, but as far as how we treat our students, that's important, right? So we want them to be thinking on, on both levels. So one, we want to give them the opportunity to identify what they need to improve on and create a plan that will help them achieve their goals. And that's obviously with our classes tied to uh, I think it's true with any class, but with with writing and literature, it's obviously how to become a better writer, a thinker, create think creatively, and all those things that we're trying to 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 say to them to help them become a better writer is what they you know in a way should be reflecting on. Um, but you know, and so that for me at least happens um, a lot. So it happens when I hand back an essay. At the end of each quarter, I also have them sort of pause, just like we're doing here for the New Year's, right? We have, I have my students pause and think, okay, this happened last quarter. This is what I'm going to do in the next quarter. Or, hey, I just did this in this essay. This is what I'm going to do in the next essay. And that, this doesn't have to be a really complicated assignment. It can be a bullet point list of things. Uh, it can be a short paragraph, but we should give them the opportunity to set goals for themselves. It's really important. There's that some study I forget. I remember hearing about it where um, they uh, told a bunch of high school kids to take it to, to, to write journals. And in the journals, they said, hey, uh, you know, plan tomorrow. Uh, or sorry, it was like, a, what are you going to do after this period's over? And then the next day, it was like, hey, write about what you're going to do after school. And then the next day, it was, hey, write about what you're going to do like this weekend. And then the next day, they came and was like, hey, write about a little paragraph on uh, what you're going to do in a week from now, you know, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, a couple months from now. And so they had this vision of like, well, in a couple of months, it's going to be spring, I'm going to be doing this. And then, you know, next year, next year, I'm going to be a senior, and it's going to be like this. And they sort of reflect on that for a little bit. 
Um, and then they asked them to do five years, 10 years. And they found that this set of kids that they sort of ran this experiment on uh, had much greater life outcomes. Like no, no, nobody was like getting into drugs or getting pregnant. You know, they were more successful in school and jobs and all that. <laughs> so that's, just think about that. I mean, it's all, we ha- it's all we have to do is just take a little bit of time and, and f- sort of formalize the process of growth and, and, and put it in the, the, you know, in the case of myself, again, society, individual people, you just, all you have to do is ask, like, hey, how can you get better? That's it. You just have a conversation between, you know, if it's between a couple of people or with yourself. Say, hey, this is this is what I need to do, and just to actually spend time because our lives are really, when you think about it, it's so ridiculous that we haven't have to think about setting time aside to set goals for ourselves. You think maybe we'd be doing that all the time, but no, all the time we're just figuring out how to eat, you know, how to feed our kids, you know, how to get to work, how to get that lesson plan together. Uh, how to grade those essays. There's just so many responsibilities that we have and we watch TV and that's mindless or we, even when we read, we're just we're, we're sort of consumers all of the time. But the thing that gives us free will is when we are, we are creating and not consuming. All right? And so, so that's really what we want our students to be doing. You know, they can reflect on specifics in their writing. They can also reflect on bigger things like how they avoid procrastinating, how they're going to complete the reading, where they're going to complete the reading, um, how they need to, to find more, better space in their house, away from their family, uh, put their cell phone upstairs, read downstairs, something like that, you know, how they can develop better work habits. So, of course, on another level, this, this is true of teachers as well. So teachers um, need to engage in this process. We need to just kind of sit once a year or whatever, as frequently as we can, I think, um, and engage in, in not just conversations with our people. I think that's important too, but just personally, just ask yourself, you know, what is, uh, what is it that's in my curriculum, in my pedagogy uh, that, that I can do better? And the, I think the best way, like I've been kind of mentioning with businesses who ask their employees, like, hey, or who, you know, in turn ask their customers, like, hey, what can we do better? You know, if the people who are, moving the getting the products to market no have ideas but also customers like, i really want the product to do this better and i wasn't satisfied with this and then you take that information and you know if there's a lot of people saying the same thing over and over again not that our students are our customers and we don't want to just you know they'd say hey, let's watch this netflix series and then you go show the netflix series right there's obviously a little bit of curating that goes on as far as the curriculum is concerned um but but it's important, I think, to really just – and I do kind of try to do this formally at the end of the year where I ask my students, hey, you know, tell me – and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a period-long thing. It's not just like, hey, give me five minutes and tell me what you think of this course or rank this. You know, I've seen things where you kind of rank numbers. Like, and some of that's valuable, like rank this book. Do you really like this book or not? Some of it's valuable. Um, but right, really, it's, a, it's like a 40-minute thing where I really want them to talk – uh, in great detail about how I can improve the course, you know, improve what I do and how I teach. Um, and and it's some, you know, a lot of the times as the year goes on, I think you'll find that students, you know, give you more and more praise year after year. Early in my career, I'd read some feedback like, oh, man, yeah, I got to change that, I guess. And, you know, so it's, you're going to be disappointed a little bit, but that's, that's okay because criticism is going to make you better. And it's honest usually because it's the end of the year. But even, even kind of casually, I'll just say, hey um, – verbally you know not without any kind of actual formal feedback just 
what kind of, or even just thinking about not, hey, what do we, again, this reflections the past and the future. So it's not just, hey, what did we do before and how did you like it? But it's, hey, what do you want to do next? How would you like to get this work done? This is the, my objective. How would you like to do this? Would you want to do a poster in a group? You want to work with a partner? Uh, and I, oftentimes I do. I give them as many options as I can. Hey, you want to work by yourself? That's fine. If you want to work with five or six people, um, that's fine. You know, and, and it's, usually they'll just choose the thing that they know will work best for them. Uh, if they want to do it online and, or, you know, sometimes you do the same thing over and over and they're like, hey, no, we don't want to do it online. Let's do it this way. And so the, I, I just try to, as much as I can, so obviously sometimes you have a clear lesson plan in your head. You're like, I want to tackle it this way. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, but other times it's like, hey, what do you, what do you think? What do you want to do? How do you want to do this? And so I'm sort of asking, or even just how much time do you need to do this? If I, I always ask them that, and you know what? They're honest. They are honest. And if I, yeah, of course you can see that they're either doing the work or they're not doing the work. They're not going to say, oh, we need six hours to do this. Like, no, they don't want to sit around and do nothing for six hours. They're like, yeah, we need like 15 minutes to get this done. So, okay, I'll check, I'll check in in 10 and maybe we'll go from there. Um, so that's important too, just to kind of always get that feedback about, you know, what's working in the class and um, making sure that everybody's having fun learning, you know, that we're mixing it up with you know, differentiating uh, activities as often as, as we can and, and doing that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, some, sometimes like an online survey works well too, depending on, on what you want to feedback. You know, for, for instance, a couple, couple of weeks ago, I couldn't, <laughs> I'm always changing my mind about what novels I want to teach, which are we, our curriculum is, we just, I'm lucky. We have so many books um, available to us to teach. Um, and so I kind of always go back for, yes, hey, so I'll do this one, this, you know, maybe I'll do this one second or do this one third or, um, because I teach uh, English 4 and I teach AP English 4. It's like, okay, there's certain books we usually do in English 4, but, you know, I've tried out in different, you know, maybe I'll try the book we do in regular in AP or I'll do the take the book we do in AP. Yeah, let's just try this in English 4. Sometimes I go back and forth with, with what, what book, books to teach where. Um, and one year I couldn't decide, like a couple, sorry, a couple weeks ago, I couldn't decide. Um, and so my supervisor was like, hey, why don't you just ask them? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. So I had them read like the first, you know, I, I think I just gave them like 10 or 15 minutes. Like, hey, just read for 10, 10 or 15 minutes um, f these two, the beginning of these two books and let me know, vote online, which with, with which one you want to do. And it, I forget what, what the two were, but I was kind of surprised at what they picked. So I was like, all right, so we're going to do that one. Um, or it helps you sort of eliminate, you know, books that, you, you, you know, you want to get rid of anyway or whatever. Um, teachers... So that's students, right? And then and, and teachers. So we went through students, and we went through sort of te how teachers can reflect uh, by asking their students how to better improve pedagogy. The teachers, you know, can also engage in reflection outside the classroom by getting resources and ideas from other teachers, uh, right? And so, obviously, this happens on a building, a building level, where you have your uh, colleagues that you kind of run down the off, run down the hallway to, oh, I'm teaching. Gatsby and or Catcher in the Rye, you know, what do you do with this? Or, you know, I need a better idea. This thing I did last year didn't work. What do you, what do you do? Um, and so, but then there's also the internet, right? And so uh, it's interesting because when you're a new teacher, um, you can benefit from, from years of trial and er error from more experienced teachers, right? When I was a new teacher, it's really all I did was go to the people who have been around for forever and like, hey, what book do you do? Or what connectivity can I do? Or, um, and so they've done it a million times and they usually have so many books that they teach. They can kind of tell you like, oh, yeah, well, I did this, you know, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight we used to do or Beowulf and sort of talk about their different experience teaching different things and what they liked or didn't like about it. Um, 
but it's also, you know, for experienced teachers, uh, even myself, where you teach, taught Hamlet, I think since the beginning of my career, I had seniors my first year, which was so crazy. I was like 22, 23 years old teaching seniors, um, teaching Hamlet. And, uh, but, but yeah, I've, ta- I've taught it for so long. It, it has this freshness for me and I'm okay with that. It's, I, it's one of the best, obviously it's William Shakespeare, right? You know, it's like something I feel like we need to teach. Um, and it's, it's, you know, a wonderful book. I think it, teenagers really like it because he's kind of, he's got the girlfriend, breaking up with the girlfriend, his parents breathing down his neck, you know, um, <laughs> both his parents, his ghost father and his real, well, not his stepfather. Um, so yeah, all of that sort of comes into play. Uh, and so I think when we were, we've been teaching for so long uh, that it, we can fall into this predictable rhythm, right? And so getting fresh ideas is really important. Creativity often comes from an unexpected conversation with a colleague or, or surprising revelations that we have by ourselves sometimes about how we can make our lives easier. I remember one year thinking, you know what, I'm not going to walk around the class and like hand back each individual essay anymore. I'm just going like, to call the students' names. They come up, they get out of their seat, it gets them a little, I don't want to call it exercise, but like, you know, it keeps the blood flowing. They get out of their seat, or if I have to hand back a bunch of assignments, you know, it's like I just call their name, they all come up, come get it. It takes like a couple minutes as opposed to 10 or 15. Sometimes you have to like assign something else for them to do. If you walk around the room like that, you're just like chasing the students down. Yeah, it's just the little things that we, you know, if we hear about, like, hey, I do this in my classroom, it really helps us think like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Why don't, why don't I do that? I just never thought of it because we have routines. We have habits, um, and they're just not always easy to break. Uh, convention can be the, the foundation for common sense, best practices, and convention can also be the weight that slows us down. So the courses I offer you – know, Bogs podcast you're listening to right now. Um, I've tried to focus on on making life easier and more fun for teachers who want their students to create personal meaning from literature. That's a f- sort of th- three main things, right? We want them to create personal meaning from literature, think for themselves, and understand the relevance of stories. Uh, it's more important than ever to teach students how to make sense of language and interpret evidence and course like i mentioned before get creative with visual art short stories poems short films creative nonfiction, podcast video essays and projects so in my courses i kind of take you through my different projects and how i assign podcasts the podcast that i teach in the class um poster how i assign posters whole i have this whole thing whole novel activities which i've talked a lot about a lot before um, that i go over but i actually talk about the poems that i teach and why i love those poems the, what are the short stories that I teach? I show you the short stories I teach, how I teach them, why I teach them, the order I teach them in, and all these different things. So I get into to the, to the details about what I do every day um, with the hopes that it, you know you hear about, oh, that's a cool project for seniors. Maybe I'll try this this way with my sophomores or whatever. I never tried that. What's a video essay, you know, that sort of thing, or one pager. Uh, so you just get all these different ideas. Um, again, a lot of trial and error from my own classrooms. I'm always sort of, open to trying new things. You know, I remember we had the, uh, the Google Lit trip, if anybody remembered that, where you could kind of create this uh, like sort of virtual field trip of an author's life and the or the different places in the book. I remember like doing something for Great Expectations where it's like, hey, you know, this is where he grew up or whatever. It, you know, I did it once and it was fun. You know, it, that's just like the career of a teacher, right? You just try different things. Uh, and the things that work, you keep doing over and over. And the things that that you know you that don't work like that, or 
like realizing that pa the PowerPoint could have an automatic advance. And I was like, oh, you can automatically advance slides in PowerPoint. And I tried to cr have students create like animated poems <laughs> where they like had different uh, calligraphy and images to go with their poems. It was like a fun creative thing. I, I didn't, again, I tried it once. I was like, that was kind of fun, but I wouldn't never do it again. Um, and so, uh, or even like poems that, that I would play to the class, like some of them I would keep, some of you change. Of course, every single year you just try to do better and better. And so I'm just kind of sharing my ideas with my my journey that I've been on uh, to, to, to make life fun as possible for teachers and students. Um, yeah, so to wrap this all up, really, it's I guess I'm I also sort of committed myself to doing it, even though I was reluctant to doing a New Year's episode and a re episode on reflection because it is really I think this year is just a difficult time. I mean, everybody I've talked to is basically just having a difficult time in the field right now. Um, for I I don't know for some sometimes mysterious reasons and and sometimes you know sometimes it doesn't feel that different and sometimes it does. I think we're slowly getting back to normal here, um, but and po this whole critical race thing, you know, it's 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 in the headlines, and I don't know the idea of limiting language and conversation with laws <laughs> that happen. And I get it, students, but you know, we've never we've never limited language before. I, it's just an interesting sort of thing where you're hearing stories about board meetings gone wrong. <laughs> um, and people are really arguing with each other in public spaces and yelling and oh, we should be wearing masks and not wearing masks and always oh, this is so ridiculous and everybody's got a strong opinion and it, it's just a lot to kind of handle with like how safe can we be and are schools safe and how we keep staff safe and you know and, and prevent the spread of this thing and it's just a, this is a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of reading to do um variants to keep up with it, it's stressful um, and, and, and it's like all of our politics are coming out as a consequence of, of the pandemic and the George Floyd thing brought brought everyone's politics out. Um, and, and, you know, so, I, you know, and that's that's the kind of shift, right? We had like this moment where as, as a nation, we wanted to learn more. I was just listening to this podcast on a, This American Life. They're talking about um, how all these bestsellers are now actually on like like a sort of sort of banned book list where we can, there's like books that schools can't have in their libraries that were like really popular to read um, like a summer ago and so that's just the world we live in and we're always there's always all these things surrounding us and and you know I had a, a superintendent once that was like shut your door go in there and just teach. You have the best job, the best and most important job in the world. It's a fun job. You're working with children. Just go have fun, right? And 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 I, I just, I always, especially now, I feel like that's, that it's advice. Let's like tune out the noise, you know? And I, I think at the time it was some political thing with the governor, um, but it was like, you know, it, I, I just, it will be something that I'm, I'm glad I heard because it will always stay with me. Um, and I do, I enjoy my job because I, I try as hard as I can to just take that advice, to just tune out the noise, go into your, and it's not always easy, I'm not saying it's easy, but to go into the classroom and just, you've got your students, and that's that's our happy place, is with the, with kids that are going to go out into the world eventually, uh, that are going to be educated and intelligent, smart, know how to write, know how to think, um, and, and so we're not successful 100% of the times, but we can, we can, we can try, you know, and last week, um, 
we went remote, <laughs> which was just like, oh my gosh. But it was a little scary. We're like, all right, let's just do what we did all of last year for a week. And, um, but in one moment, we were, we, what story? We were, we were reading um, The Enormous Radio. We we're talking about The Enormous Radio by John Cheever. And uh, we, saw, we just went off on this tangent about social media and how this radio is, is kind of like tuning into our, like these private conversations in this apartment building and like how does social media do that? Uh, and so we just kind of went in a, c- a couple different directions with kind of how we consume news because the, the story ends with this this news report. So it's like how's gossip kind of coming into our discussion of news and how are we um, sort of being watched, right, or, or, or le- being listened to or how are we listening to each other with our phones and how are we being monitored. We're talking about uh, – <laughs> I was talking about my, uh, my Amazon Echo in 1984 and <laughs> all those good conversations we have in class. Anyway, we're just like really getting into it. And uh, at one point, like uh, uh, last year, for some reason, my students just like raised their hands and I could like see their hand raise. Um, like whoever these, these students must have had a teacher that just say, hey, use that. Emo-. I just never used the emoji before. So it was like, it was funny because it was just like habit they picked up in a different virtual class than mine. Cause I never really, I think every once in a while I'd see somebody like raising a virtual hand or whatever. But it's just a routine that I didn't establish in my class. Like people just kind of like, chime in when they when they want to talk or they raise their hand in the video or whatever anyway at one point i'm like looking at the screen and i'm just seeing like rows and rows of these like virtual emoji hands <laughs> that are like up like wanting to talk so it was like a line of it was interesting because like right like you know we've all had like really great questions where like everybody's hand shoots up and they want to answer that and you're like yes like everybody wants to say something we get really excited and i had that moment where like yes everybody wants to say something but it was like <laughs> these cartoon hands you know and in some ways like that it, it's kind of sad because if it was if we were in person i know that would have been a really lively kind of fun conversation where, where where students are kind of bouncing ideas off of each other and we're in the same space and it's a little easier um but on the other hand it was just it was funny to look at right like <laughs> there's a bunch of cartoon hands lined up uh with people like you know wanting to talk so life is 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 not easy right now but our but our students will will remember how how hard we tried to stay positive uh, and make everything and make all of this uh, seem normal thanks for for listening if you would like to leave me a review on the on wherever you get your podcast i'd really appreciate it thank you thanks for listening